All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. We're here recording episode 69, the nicest episode there is. Uh, and it's just the two of us today, Zach. We've, uh, Armin, unfortunately, is tied up with uh, some basketball trials this week. So this is myself and Zach taking care of business this week. Um, we're talking um, just a little bit about, because uh, quick questions and be a fun one today, not necessarily fantasy football related, but just talking shop about some football. Got lots to talk about insiders and headliners, so we'll kind of crush through that. And then obviously progressing from uh, week 11 into uh, week 12. So before we get started, we'll say hello to Zach and then we'll we'll get things going. So Zach, uh, what's been keeping you busy the last little week? Well, just made supper for uh, my wife and I and just burnt my thumb on the uh, thing in the oven. So if I get carted out here mid-episode by the ambulance, we know what's going on. Yeah, I'll put you on this the thing is. Yeah, this thing is just like, I don't know, unlike any burn I've ever had from cooking. <laughs> I'm going to put it on the, not, not quite the injury reserve here, but we'll get you on the report, eh? Like game time decision. <laughs> yeah. Available, um, but a uh, limited participant. Yeah, exactly. Limited <laughs> participant. That's what we'll call it. Exactly. Um, and this past week was uh, was a fun one. We were talking a little bit about, uh, you know, a little fantasy football last week and obviously talking about. The Huskies are in action and a big W for the Huskies as they are going back-to-back uh, presence in the national championship. So that's exciting for, for Husky fans and U of S fans. But we also talked a little bit about the Great Cup. And uh, it was a big one. I, my One of my very good friends uh, made his very first debut at, in the Great Cup. So that was super exciting for him. And uh, I wanted to go down and see it, but I refused to pay $700 because the tickets were astronomical. And the morning of, I was sitting there thinking, oh, you know, like it would be kind of, or the morning before, sorry, the Saturday morning, that'd be kind of cool, but I don't want to pay that much. I ended up getting my hands on some pretty cheap tickets. So a group of four of us went down and all I cared about was cheering for Sam. So that was pretty sweet to go watch my buddy in action in the biggest stage of obviously his officiating career. Uh, and then we did a little bit of Wellesley's wagers. It was Wellesley that came down with us and we, uh, we bet on Toronto and Toronto won. And actually it was a funny story about betting for Toronto um our charity league group chat was going off about the game a little bit and and uh, right after Winnipeg had that punt return and the game went seemingly was sealed for Winnipeg and Toronto was in in rough shape at that point the betting odds were like plus 950 for Toronto to come back so I was like oh yeah okay I'm gonna put a, a lot of money on well not a lot of money but I'm gonna put uh some money down on that for a big return so we were cheering for Toronto real big and then when the, the last five plays I think were touchdown or was it field goal touchdown interception block punt or block field goal block field goal that was like the last five possessions so it was exhilarating but we were sweating that one out live I I don't know if I've ever made a bet and been there at live to watch the game happen but it made the game real interesting and I just didn't care about how cold I was in that moment anymore because I was jumping up and down and we were having a grand old time that was for sure so that was a, a summation of my exciting riveting week and then the fact that uh, basketball started for the elementary as well, too. So that's been a lot of fun. But getting things going here, uh, the 22, 22 fresh quick question of the week. Like I said, this is uh, a bit of a different one. We're uh, not talking necessarily fantasy football, but a little bit about just football in general, I guess. Uh, for those of you listening at home, if you're unaware, uh, Zach is a Patriots fan, big time Pats fan. Uh, I'm a big Lions fan, and, and Armin is uh, is a big Vikings fan. Uh, unfortunately, Armin's not here to answer this question, but I am actually a little bit curious on what the answer could be for this one. But the question is, if you could cheer for 
if you could not cheer for your favorite NFL team, which team would you cheer for and why? And uh, I mean, we'll let Zach start this one off here, Zach. So obviously a big Pats fan, not allowed to cheer for the Pats. Who are you cheering for in this one? So when I saw this question, I looked at it and three teams immediately, actually four teams immediately came to mind. I thought Cincinnati Bengals right now, they have one of the most, if not the most uh, exciting offenses when all the pieces are together. So thought that would be an easy one to cheer for. But then I also thought I always try to go to a Pats game. I always think about going to a Pats game, but travel's not great. So I thought, what are the teams closest to me? And I came up with the Seattle Seahawks, Minnesota Vikings, and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Bills, very exciting offense, but won't be caught dead there in that garbage city. So scratch that one real quick. <laughs> then that was between the Vikings and the Seahawks. Uh, and Vikings, correct me if I'm wrong, they still play indoors, can't support that scratch. <laughs> so Seattle Seahawks, I'll be throwing a mackerel or whatever the hell they do uh, in Seattle at that fish market. That's what I'm doing. Becoming a 12th man. Just going to say 12th. Geno Smith up. or bust. Yep. Yeah. Geno Smith or bust. Let's go. You didn't write Also, that. it's like, I think it's like an 18-hour drive from Saskatoon. So not terrible. Um, actually, uh, my wife and I, we were talking about going to the uh, the Pats-Vikings game on Thursday. This Thursday, we were talking about driving down there. But uh, between days that we've already taken off and, and days that we know we need to take off later this year, uh, we don't have enough days to take off without uh, paying for our subs. So regrettably, we won't get to see Kirk Cousins choke in prime time. So. Oh, that's too bad. That'd have been a lot of fun. They yeah. talk about uh, playing indoors. I bet you Buffalo wishes they were playing indoors this last week. My goodness. But um, <laughs> I've done that drive from Saskatoon to Seattle. We actually went from Seattle to, or from Saskatoon to Portland and then ended up going from Portland to Seattle uh, a couple times to go see some baseball games. But done that drive before, Zach, so you can definitely do it. I don't know what it's like in the winter, but <laughs> it might be a little difficult. I hear it's like just like year round, it's supposed to be like pretty nice, presumably a heck of a lot nicer than uh, Minnesota and New York. So <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, Mine. I don't know. I, th I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but I, I would cheer for the Rams. Um, I've always, for some reason, liked the Rams even before uh, the Matthew Stafford trade and, and plain and simple. The best way to describe it is I'm a Matthew Stafford fan. So I was obviously cheering for the Rams last year. I was cheering for them to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I was very happy to win the Super Bowl, but even back before, I think it had something to do with the fact, you know, there was a lot of fantasy value there and they were an exciting team to watch. And I, I really like Jared Goff. I still like Jared Goff, but that Jared Goff Cooper cup combo in like 2017, 2018, whatever year that was, that was single-handedly winning people fantasy championships. Like it was, I remember that year, Zach, you had them uh, in the, in the staff league and I played against you and you didn't even pick up a defense because you were like, well, I'll play them on Thursday night and I won't drop anybody. And if they don't do bad, then whatever, I'll try to rock with a defense. And then if they do bad, whatever, I'll drop player and I'll pick up a defense, whatever. Thursday night, I think you got like 90 some points between the two of them. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm playing 11 versus 10 here. I'm still probably going to lose. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the year of uh, 
two girlies, one cup. I, uh, I had Todd Gurley and Cooper Cup in that lineup, and, and uh, we were a bit of a buzzsaw, but that week, oh, we were a buzzsaw on steroids. I was uh, I was feeling myself there that Thursday night. I remember, like, things got, like, pretty interesting. I think it was on the Sunday games. You're like, worst case, I'll pick up the Monday defense, and it wasn't, like, the best matchups or whatever. I was like, I don't think you're going to need to do it, Zach. <laughs> I was in bad shape that Thursday. Yeah, talk about a tilt. I was on tilt for the rest of the week um but that's I guess the, the Rams now for sure is because of Matthew Stafford but I've always had that that soft spot for the Rams and even when Goff was not great he was always a quarterback I kind of liked to target because he had that upside uh, and I liked Goff when he got drafted and so I don't know it's kind of tough to watch them lose right now uh, especially Stafford a little bit banged up and obviously losing cup it's been difficult but that would be not my my team and I also like Los Angeles I've visited there a few times so and then the the logo itself is pretty sweet. I always like the the old throwback Rams helmets. I thought those were pretty sweet. So, um, if you had to guess, who do you? Or actually, you might even know. You might know the answer to this question. But do you know who Armin would say if you had to pick a second team? Oh, geez, I I couldn't even begin to guess. Um, I think he's gonna say Cincinnati. I know he likes Joe Burrow quite a bit, but I also thought maybe Seattle just because of you know. Yeah, the, you know what? I was actually gonna say Seattle. That man loves Kenneth Walker like his third child. <laughs> And uh, loved Rashad Penny for some unknown reason, and had a soft spot for Chris Carson. So he also shoot. loved Russell Wilson too. Like he drafted him every year. So I mean, there's yeah, probably probably loved like Sean Alexander and like Nate Burleson back in the day too. <laughs> so who the heck knows? Yeah, That'd put it down bad. for two Seahawks fans. Yeah, Seahawks, and then then you know, yeah, Burrow Burrow might be in that mix too, but he was talking about this big Jamar chase trade he was making this past week. So there's, there might be something there too. Who knows, but we'll get, uh, we'll get things going into a little bit of fantasy talk here and we'll get into some insiders and headliners. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. I'm Ron Burgundy. So, before we get into the actual insiders and headliners here, uh, the breaking news of the episode is that uh, we did put the poll up for the OBJ versus Justin Jefferson catch and uh, suck on it, Zach, 57-43 towards Justin Jefferson. And we, uh, it was actually funny on the way up to the Great Cup, we had a chat about this in the truck and what did guys think of which catch was which. And I said, you know, like we actually had a lot of votes on it, so it wasn't even like, oh, six guys voted one and four of the other. So, you know, it's not like that, but we had a, actually a really good turnout on this, on this um, poll. And yeah, it's 57% Justin Jefferson, 43% OBJ. So it's not like this clear cut one was significantly better than the other, but uh, yeah, a lot better than the, I'm holding the football here. And uh, Justin Jefferson, please take the football as, as Zach has claimed the catch to be. So, so I'll tell you what is, I'll tell you what is clear cut. That 50% of you are wrong. That's what's clear cut. <laughs> oh, I just had to throw that one at you. That's good stuff. But, uh, you know, it was actually kind of neat to see a couple people even commented, oh, I think this is the better catch. Why? Like, at the end of the day, they're two of probably the best two catches in the NFL. Like, I'm thinking, like, probably number three would be that uh, Manningham. Is that the catch like, when he had against his helmet? Like, that would be. Oh, no, that was uh, David Tyree in the O. Seven Super Bowl against the Pats. Yes, yes. That uh, Manningham was like eleven on the sideline. 
yeah, against yeah, the yeah. Pats. You're right. The, I'm thinking the 07 against the helmet. Like that one would be definitely in the mix. I think part of what goes into that too is like the moment. Like it's still an incredible catch, but it's in the Super Bowl. It's an important catch. Like those things go into play. That's an incredible and catch. But- not to mention you had roided up Rodney Harrison yarding <laughs> on your forearm, trying to rip that ball <laughs> off of your helmet. Yeah. Um, like Rodney Harrison built like a defensive end playing safety in the mid to late two thousands was just a cheat code. Yeah. Though so I think those I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I think those are probably the top three NFL catches of all time. I'm sure that's what about the uh was it 16 or 17 with uh, Edelman in the Super Bowl against the oh, uh, Falcons on the ground and it like rolled off like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the wasn't he the MVP of that? Yeah, game? well, he had like something ignorant like 14 receptions. Yeah, that one's that one's the mix. And there's got to be like um, a Calvin Johnson catch in there somewhere and a Randy Moss that probably be in the mix too. But yeah, it, I think those two are the clear cut two best of all time but and i guess just in this in this conversation alone i have relived some of my highest highs and lowest lows (laughs) i'll just keep throwing out the ones against the pats how about that yeah we'll ride that roller coaster uh talk about riding the roller coaster uh waiver wires is gonna be a fun one this week because not only are we coming down to the final stretch where teams need to win out or teams need to like at least get two of the next three to try and get in um and there's a good chance you've lost players throughout the year and there's a good chance that you might have lost players again this week because there's a lot of injuries uh, some weird ones some players that maybe were on the fringe of your roster um some players that you really wished uh weren't on your roster but you just kept having to play them anyways i.e kyle pitts but uh we'll, we'll go through some of these relatively quickly uh and some of them we'll actually discuss a little bit so this one happened this morning uh rams waived our running back daryl henderson so Uh, That one is, in a sense, I think they're going to try and see what they got and everybody else because of the situation they're in. Um, I I imagine he's going to get picked up by a team and going to probably create some sort of unfortunate committee for fantasy football. But that one time will tell as of recording right now, uh, we haven't heard anything, but uh, that's something we'll have to continue to monitor. Um, Another running back uh, that was waived was running back Melvin Gordon from the Denver Broncos. Uh, so that committee now has lost one member. I imagine same thing as what I said about Daryl Henderson. You'll get picked up by somebody and probably make an unfortunate committee. But this was the news we wanted to hear for Javante Williams uh, about six, seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago, whatever that would be now. Unfortunately, it's come after the Javante injury, but this will be interesting for Broncos moving forward next year. Um, Justin Fields, so far quarterback that we've been very high on this last couple of weeks, especially Armand uh, with the rushing platform and somebody he is very high on. Um, unfortunately, did get a little bit banged up in that game and is day-to-day with a left shoulder injury. So that's something you're going to have to monitor if you're the Fields owner. Uh, talking about a couple other ones quickly here that you have to monitor. Rondell Moore left with a groin injury, something you have to monitor throughout these weeks of practice. Same as Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Mike Williams. They left in that Sunday night or both with ankle injuries. Mike Williams, somebody that you were hoping maybe waited a week extra just to make sure he was good to go re-injured or it was just too, too hard for him to go. Hopefully CEH, somebody that maybe you weren't really wanting to play or willing to play. Uh, now it makes that backfield a little bit easier to predict. I'm going to say um, Washington placed JD McKissick on IR with a neck injury. His season's over. Uh, Kyle Pitts. I talked about this one, the anchor that he tore his MCL. He's on IR. He's done for the year. 
that one, I think you never want to wish injury on anybody, but for fantasy managers, I think that one's a blessing in disguise because we talked about it. Like you just didn't want to play pits, but you had to play pits because what other tight end has the upside of putting up three touchdowns and 160 yards, no other tight end. But now like you just, you can pick somebody up off the waiver wire and probably get more points than you've been getting from pits throughout the entire season. So this one, like I said, I don't want to wish injury on anybody, but for fantasy managers, it makes things a little bit easier moving forward. But a uh, question for you, I know Armin is very, very high on him in dynasty. What's his dynasty outlook now? Remember people are wanting to spend the one one in dynasty rookie drafts on this guy because he's this generational talent, but we didn't see it year one year two is as close to a bust as he could possibly get. Now a torn MCL is going to probably miss some time next year. What's uh, what's his dynasty outlook right now? Is it you think, or is that something you'd be willing to kick tires on? Uh, maybe if you had to be in a rebuild by low, or is it something that's like mm, this? I've seen enough to be a little concerned. I don't think we're going to view him anymore uh, in that upper echelon with like the the Kelseys, the Andrews, the Kittles, etc. Um, I think he's now firmly from what we've seen to this point and now coming off a pretty substantial injury. Uh, he's still young. He still has a lot of potential, but you have to look at him now in that second tier. I think uh, maybe somebody that you want to take a risk on or take a chance on and uh, try to buy low. Um, but like, I, wouldn't I don't know. Like, it's hard. Yeah, like I need to see a change of quarterback or a change of coaching staff to have any sort of promise because he's been in blocking more than he's been running routes, which is absurd. And right, the, yeah, they just like I said, those are the two things I think they need to change, which maybe does create a buy low window because I imagine people are frustrated. I owned him in redraft. I went against my better judgment, think I'm going on upside alone, and it burnt me, and it burnt me bad. And now dynasty manager, this is two years in a row that you've been burnt. And you're sitting there holding this guy that a lot of people would still probably want to try and buy, maybe thinking you can get out. And it might be a couple more years before you see any promise. And then even then, maybe the, the value goes down and down and down. And then you're holding absolutely nothing. So it's it. I think it is worth maybe trying to kick some tires on, but I'm not willing to pay the value I was willing to pay at the start of the season. That's 100% sure. Yeah, in, in both of the, you know, kind of the, the major dynasty leagues that I'm in, um, people would be throwing around offer like pretty big offers, like two firsts kind of thing, or maybe a first or two firsts and like a, a, a player, like a starter. Um, so now, unless something drastic changes, I wouldn't even think about spending anywhere close to that. I might throw out some real insulting low ball offers and, and just see if they bite. Like, but, so, uh, so uh, 2023 is supposed to be a very good dynasty uh, draft rookie draft season, would you be willing mm -hmm. to give a 2023 first for him? No. Like, that's insane to think about that at the start of the season. If you could have got Kyle Pitts for a 2023 first, that's, that's pretty juicy. You know what I mean? Like you just would have been, you'd have been pumped to get that deal done. I, at least personally, I would have. So that's, that's wild to think that here we are now, this guy that was, contemplating to be one-on-one even in a super flex people are like oh he, he's generational he's generational uh i don't know man he's a tight end in a landscape that just does not look super promising at this moment it's 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 tough it's very very tough if, especially if you're that owner 
And if you're somebody that needs a, a tight end in the next, you know, year or two, uh, in, in dynasties, there's, there's a couple of guys coming out here in the next little while that I think are going to be very good. Like there's Michael Mauer, Michael Myers out of, uh, Notre Dame, who will be the tight end one this year. And, and that's then there's a Homer, that's not even a Homer pick. That's legit. Yeah. He's, he's a stud in a long line of studs coming out of that tight end room at Notre Dame. And then there's Brock Bowers who, I don't believe is even draft eligible until 2024, but he's somebody that many people consider to be the best tight end in college football right now, even better than Myers. Yeah. He's been, he's somebody that I have my eyes on like pretty early and it's like, you still can't even touch him for another full year. And by that point, the hype is going to be like Kyle Pitts level hype, you know what I mean? Like it's, we're going to be having the same conversation again, but that's, you know, he's getting Travis Kelsey comps already and he's in what is second year of college football. Like it's, it's insane. It's insane. But yeah, you're, you're right. There's, and there's a couple other two. I'm trying to remember all the names off the top of my head here. I should have maybe drawn this up, but we went on a tangent here. So I wasn't fully prepared to talk college football tight ends, but there's been a few where it's like, you're watching the games. That guy's good. That guy is really good. And you, you know, that's part of the, part of the uh, philosophy of dynasty football. I guess if you're, if you're a big college fan, there's a good chance you're probably pretty good at dynasty football because this it takes a lot of effort to watch not only NFL football and college football and be diehard at both. So, but it's gonna be gonna be exciting. We'll we'll get into a little bit more dynasty stuff. I I, I could talk dynasty forever, but we'll get through a couple more of these and then we'll uh, start getting into uh, a little bit of our week a weekly recap of week eleven too. Uh, I think I have only one. Oh, Wondell Robinson ACL out for the year as well too. But this one, Zach, I know you were real high on this guy. I just traded a, him away in Dynasty. But lines have designated Jamison Williams to return from the pup. A little bit later than we thought. We thought maybe, you know, it was going to be around the bye week, week six. Uh, I think the Lions are doing the right thing, though, making sure he is going to be fully healthy before they come back. And it's bizarre to say this, but the Detroit Lions are second in the NFC North. That just sounds <laughs> absurd to say. I haven't said that in a long time. Uh, I should play hockey with a guy. He's a Lions fan too. And we were just hooping it up three game win streak. Like we're, we're living the dream here. So is that, is that somebody that like, I know for you personally, I know you drafted him late in a lot of leagues, just plopped him right on the IR spot. Is that somebody you're expecting maybe to actually do make a splash here? Come down the stretch. We, we saw Monra be the, like the fantasy football playoff MVP coming down the stretch. Is this something that, you know, Jameson can step into with this already high powered offense, or is it just going to muddle things up a little bit for, for guys that we've been relying on, like Amon Ron, Jamal Williams, et cetera. I think if we were having this conversation um, a month ago, um, closer around the time where I had hoped and many people predicted he would come back, I would say there is that possibility of him really coming on strong and having uh, a finish, probably not as hot as Amon Ra, but, uh, it's tough to be as hot as the sun god. So, uh, <laughs> hey but uh, uh, an end of the season where he's a, a startable player in competitive lineups in the playoff. Um, but right now he hasn't practiced up until this week. So I think there's going to be a readjustment period where even if he is playing or even starting for the Lions, you would be, you would need to be, I would need to be in a very tight spot to put him as a starter, I yeah. think. 
I think unless oh, sorry, unless ahead. it's just like they scheme him touches and he doesn't have to have like a full grasp of the playbook. I think he's gonna have what's his uh oh man, what's the names escape me here? Uh he played for Philadelphia for many years, and then he was with the Rams for a bit. Um just always blew his hamstring midseason, always deep threat. Macklin? No. Um oh my goodness. Feel bad I'm blanking here. Uh he just signed with the Ravens. Jackson. Deshaun yeah. Jackson. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson. I think he's gonna be like very Deshaun Jackson esque here, where he's that real deep threat and he's just gonna open the playbook up for everybody else. Like he is fast, like he's real fast. And like you said, he's it's gonna take him a bit to grasp the playbook. So I think they're going to get him involved. He's going to have that deep threat to try and open up the offense a little bit more and have to key him and just take – so basically taking the top off the defense a little bit, and then it's just going to open up a monitor. So I would love for him to step in and be dominant, but I just don't see it this late in the season. But I do think it's going to be very beneficial for the auxiliary pieces of the offense. Like I would have said, P.J. Hawkinson, if he was still there, like it's just going to open up the middle of that field, especially – you know, Monroe's very good at those crosser routes, and, and that's sort of a scheme that the Lions have been utilizing a lot recently is those those crosser routes and those those divide mid midfield divide routes. It's it's been very beneficial, and now just taking somebody else out, off the top, it's going to open that up a little bit more. So time will tell. He's not going to play. probably play this week or next week, I don't think, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I guess that's a long-winded insiders and headliners going through this a little bit quicker. Um, promo code 306FFB15 still available, you guys. And we've got Black Friday deals coming down the pipeline here too. So I know they just shared on Instagram deals anywhere between 80 to 20% off uh, for some of these Black Friday deals. And don't forget, we have the promo code 306FFB15 as well too. So don't want to miss out on those ones. Like I said, 80 to 20% is wild in itself. But then tacking on an extra 15% ain't the worst thing either, too. So find yourself down 22 fresh in store or online and utilize the promo code 306FFB15 to not only look good, feel good, but uh, also be very thankful that uh, our our partnership with 22 Fresh is going to help you at home as well, too. So continuing on the merry way here, uh, we got our studs of the week. And uh, we'll start with Zach there. Who's your Who's your stud for week number 11? So this has been a, a long time coming as I've had this guy on a dynasty bench now for four years. Um, but it was Tony Pollard who came out as the RB1 on the week, accumulating 33.9 half point PPR points. Uh, he did it on the ground and through the air, 15 rush attempts, 80 yards, uh, six receptions on six targets, 109 receiving yards, and two TDs through the air. And truthfully, it could have been two TDs on the ground and two TDs through the air because they gave the ball to Zeke twice on the one-yard line and said, just don't fall backwards. And <laughs> Zeke was able to punt, punch it in or flop it in. Um, so, not, Tony not Pollard. Not only was the RB one on the week, he was literally the fantasy football number one player of the week. Like he, he had, a huge... had himself a career, uh, career week, and this is, I think, going to be one of the more interesting names, uh, redraft and dynasty, uh, coming up next year or dynasty this off season because he's a free agent at the end of this year, and they have Zeke in a 
big, uh, long-term expensive contract in Dallas. Um, all things being equal, I think they would just take Pollard and let Zeke go, but there's a lot of dead money there. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see if Pollard goes back and if Dallas can afford to bring him back or if he goes somewhere else and is a presumptive number one running back. You know, it's, it's interesting. I was listening to the Fantasy Footballers podcast about, was it last week, maybe two weeks ago? And they were having a very similar discussion about, you know, Tony Pollard looks good. Uh, he's been explosive. But his problem has been conditioning, which was, I was like, okay, well, that's kind of weird to think about. And then they started talking about some of the stats and looked at it. And I was like, that is so true. It's actually kind of crazy. He, his, his career, he had never had more than 18 touches in a game from his collegiate career all the way through his professional career. And he had his most touches in his entire career in week 10 when he had 22 touches. That's the most touch he's ever had, period, which is, like, insane. So people think, you know, just get rid of Zeke and just let Pollard go. Well, if Pollard can't maintain the snaps, like, in those games, he looked gassed without Zeke, too. And he even talked about it in a press conference that I am toast. Like, I need I need a break. So I, I agree with you. Zeke looks not great. Like, he doesn't look good. Pollard definitely looks at like the better back. But I don't know if we'll ever see a time where Pollard is going to be the guy. Like, he's going to be the one we talked. Actually, I had a good talk about this on the way up to the to the football game this weekend, too. We talked lots of fantasy. But I am I would be a little bit concerned if I was Pollard owner, in a sense. Not concerned, I guess, because he's playing very, very good. But you, I don't think you're ever going to get that Tony Pollard number one bell cow. And I just don't think – like, Dallas played that game. They paid him like that game. And I think they're really regretting paying him like that, like, as we're talking about Zeke. So that's something I think to to kind of watch as they're going on too, because I could see, like you said, getting rid of Zeke and then just picking up some old bet for cheap, like uh, you know, like a Mostert or somebody like that uh, that just can help carry part of the load, which would still obviously make Pollard RB one and an explosive RB one in, in the same breath. Uh, my uh, stud of the week is was also my start of the week last week so I'm going to give myself a little tip of the cap uh, and that's Josh Palmer and it, not to say it wasn't a sketchy one at that because as soon as I heard Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were both going to dress I started getting pretty concerned because Zach and I both that was part of a reason why we like these two starts was because of the availability and the touches and all of a sudden both of them were playing so I was pretty concerned I still had Palmer in two lineups I still left him in um and thank goodness I did because he had himself a week and I think he ended up being fantasy number four number five on the week if I'm off the top of my head but he put up 26.6 points uh he had 10 targets eight receptions 106 yards and two touchdowns uh and this was kind of what we were expecting to see the week prior when he unfortunately didn't have that great of a week and then all of a sudden guys come back they miss a couple snaps or limited touches and Palmer had himself a great week great matchup great performance so my start of the week is Josh Palmer uh zach dud of the week who do you got oh this one this one stung me i was in bi week hell in a couple of leagues which led me to start uh devin duvernay who uh over the past several weeks has been real boom or bust he'll either get you 18 plus or he'll just surpass one point and and this week he was a one point kind of guy he had one target, one reception for three yards. So in half point settings, that is, I believe, some mental math here, uh, 0.8 points, I believe. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough day. 
real tough day. Yeah, and I thought that would be a bit of a, not a barn burner per se, but I thought they would take the the Panthers to the woodshed, and they did not. Um, didn't get to watch that game, but box score and the highlights seemed like Lamar was struggling a little bit. Um, so maybe it was that, or I'm I'm not too sure, but uh, or maybe it was just time for Duvernay to have one of his down weeks. But it was whatever about, the case may, whatever a, the case may be, it was it was not pretty. Uh, not the result that I was hoping for. Um, I was much more expecting the Demarcus Robinson stat line of nine receptions, 128 yards, uh, compared to the one reception for three yards. Talking about guys with high expectations. No, I wouldn't say high expectations. So I can't see you have high expectations for Duvernay, but like you have like at least a base level of what he's been performing this year. And I think a similar name was like Isaiah McKenzie especially after the weather change. Like, I was like, okay, McKenzie, that's going to be a good option, especially because Cleveland came up swinging off the hop. McKenzie got zero points. That's been very frustrating. I mean, he is arguably probably the third or fourth option in that offense, but he's been putting up fantasy points, kind of similar to Duvernay. And I don't know what's more point, disappointing, having him in your starting lineup getting zero or having Saquon in your lineup and getting absolutely vultured by Matt Breida. That was a real kick in the nuts. But And Danny Dimes. Oh, the first one's okay. You know what? I'll I'll take that one. The QB keep on that sweep is like, okay, nice play. Touchdown, okay. Then Burrito Vultures two right after. It's like, oh, well, this sucks. This really sucks. Especially because it was a high-scoring game. And and we talked about Lions running, our running defense has been getting better. I'll be honest. It actually is looking functional now, but it still isn't great. But like Saquon's going to roast them. But, yeah, it's uh, – I don't know if they just schemed them out or what the hell happened, but it was not good. Well, my <laughs> my stud or dud of the week, sorry, um, is also possibly losing his starting position. Question mark. Uh, some of the things that have been floating around, I guess, in the old Twitter sphere and some of the news reports. Uh, it's Zach Wilson, and not that Zach Wilson is this bona fide starter in your in your starting lineup week in week out or even like very very us. Uh, very frequently at all, but uh, I just put in there because it was so historically bad. And we knew, we talked about this a little bit in our sits, that the Pats defense is always good. And they always find a way to absolutely shred the Jets. It happens every time. And in the second half, they put up seven total yards of offense in an entire half of football. The drives were like minus two yards, 11 yards. Zero yards, negative one yards, five yards, negative 11, and then two. Like that's those are not the exact numbers, but it is pretty darn close to something along those lines. And like the memes that came after was like the average, like was it 0.7 inches per play? Like it's like it's so absurd, but that's just how bad that offense was. And it's the it's so bad that even the players in press conferences were making comments about how bad Zach Wilson has been playing which as a starting quarterback, that's not something you want to hear, not something you want to see. And the players are turning on him, so he's got to turn on the Jets here, if no pun intended. Turn on the Jets if he uh, wants to hold on to that starting position because I know Mike White's going to be chomping at some some ankles <laughs> White season, but he um, that's, that's historically bad. Like, that is so, so bad. I don't even have his fantasy points in front of me here. Uh, and to be honest, he could have put up 20 points. I don't even care because that's so freaking bad seven total yards and that's and that epic and that impacts everybody that's not even just him that's the jets offense in total 
seven total yards. That's that's bad. I mean, Zach, you're loving it, but if, if you have any Jets Jets players in your starting lineup, I, I apologize. That game was so, so difficult to watch because the Pats offense was looking as good as it has all year uh, from their goal line up until about the Jets 35. And then every time they would get to that uh, high red zone, the uh, the wheels would just fall off and there'd be like a holding penalty, a sack, and a freaking like running back dive on third down because Matt Patricia's a bum. And then they would yes, go and they'd miss the field goal. Um, it was quite blistery, I guess, quite gusty out there at Gillette on Sunday. But, oh, whenever the Pats were on defense, I was like, blood pressure was boiling. I scaring the dog a little bit I'm sure but then when the Jets were on offense I was loving it just seeing the the D-line and the the edge rushers tee off on Wilson uh seeing Wilson miss Braxton Berrios twice on quick screens by like five feet over his head with nobody around him at all so uh it's not it's not pretty uh saw today Elijah Moore on I saw it on Twitter, but I'm sure it was a screenshot from Instagram, uh, a picture of Elijah Moore that he posted himself of him throwing a football in warmups, like not so subtle being like, put me in coach. I too can throw for seven yards. Don't want to use me as a receiver. See, Miles use me as the cue. Yeah, no kidding. What I think, no, sorry, go ahead. How bad of a entire offense performance is it when the leading passer and the leading rusher are the same person, Zach Wilson. Cumulatively, they combined for little quick math here, 103 yards. He had 103 yards of total offense, rushing and passing, and he led in both categories. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good, Bob. When I think about like these dominant like these defensive performances, especially from the Patriots, I think about it's funny. It's the same two teams. I think about the Patriots versus the Jets. But back when Sam Darnold was playing for their memories, like you know, their, their defense is so fast. I just it's like seeing ghosts out there. I just see ghosts, and it's like <laughs> that was just a, a a meme clip for for a, quite a long time. But that's all I think when I see these dominant performances from the Pats. And obviously, we talk about how good their defense has been. I imagine uh, you know the Jets key was seeing a few ghosts out there too because like you said yeah. you couldn't even complete the 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 quick screens and the quick hitters like it was just a total disaster. I came across this tweet this morning as I was having breakfast. It's uh from Football Perspective. It says in the last nine NFL seasons there have been just six games where an offense gained 105 yards or fewer. The Jets this week in New England the Jets in 2021 in Buffalo, uh, 2021 Chicago versus Cleveland, the Jets in 2019 first New England. That'd be the Darno game, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, 2018 Washington versus Philly, and the Jets in 2017. Uh, basic math says two-thirds of those games in the last nine years of teams having 105, year, 105 yards or fewer have come from one New York Jets place. 
the funny thing is we're ragging on the Jets, but they're actually having a good year. It's so bizarre. Like my buddy's a Jets fan, and well, he's a Jets slash Vikings fan, whatever that means. But he's like, man, don't start the don't start the Super Bowl parade yet. But the Jets are having a good year, and then they go out and do this. It's like, and the it's, Jets are back. It's bonkers though. Like, I don't like a bit of a homer here, obviously, but like, Bill Belichick has that team by the balls. Yeah, and until Bill dies, you'll have them by the balls. Just a great like, Buffalo. <laughs> the like the Jets have beat Buffalo who are going to kill the Pats in two weeks. It's going to be awful. Yeah. The Jets have beat the Dolphins, who beat the Pats week one, uh, and who are likely going to beat the Pats at the end of the season. Like, the Jets have beat the two top teams in the division. I think they beat the Packers, too, who beat the Pats. But Zach Wilson can't accumulate more than 110 yards against the Pats. Uh, Their entire offense can't get 110 yards against the Pats. Yeah, no kidding. Funny, actually, speaking of Bill Belichick here, we might as well go and hear what he has to say. Twenty-four hours after the game, you you got to move on. Right now, we're preparing for Cincinnati. Week twelve. Here we go. We had some big hits. Um, the Swift sit. You got that last second touchdown. It seems to be like it's happened a couple times here, but still a good sit call there, Zach. Uh, we had the sit of the Michael Carter. That was a good decision. Josh Palmer start. That was a smash play there, even though it was a little sketchy. Uh, but we'll get into uh, some week 12 here. And no Armin, which means we uh, had to handpick a few names. And actually, we found three. Uh, one is Geno Smith. Uh, that's against Houston. Um, or sorry, sorry, not against Houston, against the, the Raiders. Sorry, not against Houston. Um, and the Raiders, they're just the Raiders. They are not a very good team this year, especially on defense. They've been actually very, very poor on defense. The only thing is the Raiders are really bad against the run and Seattle loves to run the ball. So that Geno Smith snark can be a little sketchy. Um, he is widely available still. So if you want to pick him up and play him just because of the Raiders defense, go ahead. Just know that the touchdowns might be limited because of how much they like to run the ball. But the other two names that we want to mention, it's ironic that they're in the exact same matchup. It's Kenny Pickett versus Matt Ryan. And you could start both of them seemingly in this one. Uh, and it's funny, the same matchup, same percentage of ownership, 21% owned in sleeper. Uh, so they're playing each other in this one. Kenny Pickett has been, I think, starting better than I think most, especially in the last little bit. He's starting to pick it up a little bit especially with his connection with uh, rookie wide receiver, which we'll get to in a little bit here. Um, and Matt Ryan, uh, since he has come back uh, from the benching, has done an admirable job, I think, in, in the starts. And he is starting to, well, his connection with Paris Campbell is still a head scratcher. We talked about that one in the past. So uh, he's getting the job done and both guys are widely available. So if you're in a situation where you need to pick up a cue and play them this week, I think those are a couple names that could help you out. And a lot of fun because you'd be able to pick them up and you'll be able to sweat it out in the Monday night or all the way at the very end. So uh, if you want a little bit of excitement on your start, add those ones on there too. So uh, we'll continue on the merry way here, uh, and we'll talk about our start sits. And I know we just absolutely shredded this team, Zach, but uh, let's hear your start of the week. Well, if we didn't dissuade you to just release all of your Jets and never touch them again, 
uh, maybe this might persuade you to start one of them. Uh, I would consider starting Garrett Wilson if I was dealing with injuries and in the position that I had to start somebody. Uh, Garrett Wilson, you could do a lot worse than him. Um, and this has one big contingency. It is contingent on Zach Wilson sitting his butt on the bench and Joe Flacco coming in to save the New York Jets season and keep Fireman Ed from having a massive heart attack. <laughs> Weeks one, two, and three, Garrett Wilson was wide receiver 16 with Flacco at the helm. Um, if Flacco starts over Wilson, um, I would have a lot more confidence starting Garrett Wilson against the Bears if they do the easy thing and they keep Zach Wilson at the helm, I will do the easy thing and not start Garrett Wilson on my fantasy rosters. It's so funny. We talked about this at the start of the year. Remember the comments that the receivers were talking about Flacco? And it was just like, they're trying to say, you know, like Flacco puts the ball in the right spot and it's like, it's easy to get. <laughs> the quotes were like, yeah, he throws a ball that's easy to catch. And it's like, so what are you saying? That Wilson throws a ball that's, not able to be caught and it's like it's so funny like this the irony and how they comment to basically sewer their own cue but from what i've seen it seems pretty 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 accurate i will say but uh, i do like that one zach especially because you meant like for the reasons you mentioned that connection was pretty juicy to start the year out um i'm going to another rookie uh, wide receiver here and mine is going to be george pickens he's a guy that's been interesting I'll, I'll use that in a sense because he had a lot of hype to start the season and then was very underutilized and underperformed and then started kind of catching on a little bit here as we progress um, still not getting a ton of uh, targets and receptions and but uh, the last couple of weeks a 13 well he had 15 points and he had zero uh, so that really stunk if you had played him in that matchup but against the Eagles pretty unlikely he would have uh, but he had 15 and then the Eagles matchup then by then against the Saints, he put up 13 points, uh, four targets, three receptions, um, 32 yards, but he also got involved in the rushing game and a touchdown. And then the Bengals matchup, which is usually a, a difficult matchup, especially between the two divisional teams, 83 yards receiving on six targets, four receptions, and a touchdown. Uh, so getting things going a little bit and against the Bengals defense, now against the Colts, which is a significantly easier matchup, uh, I think George Pickens is one of those wide receivers that you could see continue to progress and do very well down the stretch. We have the Colts, Falcons, Ravens, Panthers, Raiders, uh, Ravens to finish the season out for fantasy. And I can definitely see him being able to catch a little bit of heat and uh, start progressing as an Amonra type talent down the stretch. So that's a name that I'm very interested in playing this week and very interested in uh, playing the remainder of the season just, just because, you know, they lost Claypool. Now it's him and Deontay and Fryermuth, and they're going to have to move the ball uh, to start putting up some points here. Um, Najee Harris, even though he did have a pretty good week this past week, uh, hasn't been the answer for them this season. So I would continue to look at the receiving options, and this is one that I think is a, a very viable option, uh, especially in the Monday nighter. Uh, it could be, a, like I said, the same reason for the start. Uh, of the cues could be a lot of fun sweatness one out on the, on the Monday night. So George Pickens will be my start. Now, that being said, transitioning into the sits, Zach, who we got on the docket today. 
Well, I'm not sure what was cooler this Sunday. The helmets that the Cincinnati Bengals were wearing urged the entire like uniform uh, white on white with the white and black helmets. Uh, I thought those looked absolutely unreal. And uh, that alone just about swayed me to put down the Bengals. I, uh, as my new favorite team, <laughs> they were unreal. Uh, or the fact that Sam G. Pirine put up 28.2 fantasy points and he finished the week as the running back two. Uh, with all that good stuff said, I would consider sitting Sam G. Pirine. Uh, we know that Joe Mixon has, has a concussion and that he is in concussion protocol. What we don't know is whether or not he's going to play. Um, this could be a situation where maybe he does play and then he's just a insurance policy. He's there, he's dressed, he's on the bench, but they don't play him. Or it could be a situation where Mixon is full go. We don't know. But what we do know is Sam G.P. Ryan, although he was the running back two on the week, he had three touchdowns through the air. If it wasn't for those three touchdowns through the air, his week would have been completely different. On the ground, he had 30 rushing yards on 11 attempts. Not terrible, but certainly not worthy of a start and definitely not worthy of running back two on the week. Uh, he's coming against the Tennessee Titans, who are the number two rush defense. So even if Mixon is out, and Pirine is the number one running back on that team. He is facing a very stout uh, rush defense. So Sanji Pirine, uh, I think, is more fool's gold than anything right now. But if he comes out this week, blows up there against the Titans, uh, I will gladly, uh, you know, eat crow or whatever the phrase is. Uh, take those words back, whatever it may be. Uh, but right now, I don't think he is the play that some people may be thinking that he is, especially coming off the waiver wire. Yeah, you're talking about fool's gold, and this one might be low-hanging fruit, but I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, there's a habit, for especially for inexperienced fantasy players, to look at the, you know, I, I wouldn't say the box score, but you look at the fantasy football platform, you look at points and then you find the guys that got a lot of points and then you want to pick those guys up or put them in your lineup or whatever um one of those guys would be tutu atwell and this one might be low-hanging fruit because of what he's accomplished this season and in his short career but do not play him i wouldn't even be picking him up uh if you picked him up don't play him we talked about this last week uh or maybe it was the week before when we were talking about the the injury to cooper cup and who are you going to think that's going to step up from the rams uh, if anybody, would you like to jump on somebody that maybe is going to step up in a big way? And Tutu Atwell happened to be one of the names that we brought up um, just because he's a wide receiver in a room that is a little bit banged up. If you look at Tutu Atwell, 12.7 points. Hey, that's a good day. Um, you know, somebody that can pick it up late down the stretch. I don't. He had one target, one reception, 62 yards and a score. Now it was a very nice throw and a very nice catch. I'll give him that. But this is a, a head-scratcher draft pick. Uh, I was confused by it at the time, and I'm confused by it now. Uh, Second-round pick, uh, 25th in the 
or 25th pick and um he and sorry the 25th pick in the second round sorry um and that was the rams first pick in the draft and they had a pretty good wide receiver room and they still went after and pursued tutu atwell a very very small uh wide receiver at 5'9 165 and he has been nothing more than a punt return specialist in his career so far to sort of burn a second rounder as a punt returner is a bit of a head scratcher don't just look at the points he put up 12.7 look at the whole picture uh he's got two receptions the entire season so like i said this might be low-hanging fruit but it's more of a i would be staying away from all rams in a sense because cooper cup or sorry cooper cup well he is out but also uh matthew stafford's battling injury he left the game and we just don't know what to expect. So I would be staying away altogether. Tutu Atwell, 100%. I would be not touching with a 10-foot pole to steal a phrase of Armin Schellenberg's as he is not here this week. So um, going into Wells's wagers here this week, we did record a little bit earlier than usual. So uh, we didn't get those picks in yet because some of the odds weren't in yet and, and we haven't finalized some picks. So those will be coming. They're going to be on the old Instagram as per usual. So making sure we take a look at those ones. Um, so we'll have the Thursday night picks. I know there's a big Thursday night. It's the uh, it's the U.S. Thanksgiving coming up here. So we have three games throughout the Thursday. So making sure you're setting your lineups, you're paying attention to that. And we'll also have some additional extra fun picks uh, more than the usual Thursdays. And then we'll have some uh, Sunday slate as well, too. So uh, as we're wrapping this one up here, Zach, do you have anything that maybe you want to mention or throw in before we conclude the episode? Like you mentioned earlier, just a, a very exciting weekend for uh, football in Saskatchewan uh, coming up. The the Huskies are off to Ontario uh, to play the Laval Rouge Or. Um, the principal of my school, his boy, is on that team, and uh, get like little insider tidbits from uh, from the principal every once in a while, and he's very excited. Uh, should be a very good game, and. Uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully watching that game on TV because for whatever reason, uh, U Sports or whoever decided to broadcast it on cbc.ca this past weekend, and I was not able to keep up with it uh, like I have most of the Husky games all season on SaskTel Max. So looking forward to watching them hopefully be on TV this weekend. Yeah, I got to watch that one when I was writing my paper. So I had writing the paper and then I had my phone on the side and it was kind of going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And unfortunately this Saturday when the game's on, I got master's classes. So, you know, for sure during presentations, what's going to be on my laptop, I'll tell you that for free. So, uh, so big, good luck to the Huskies. You talked about your principal, but I know our, our old head coach uh, or myself and Zach used to coach there at St. Mary, his nephew is on the team as well too. So we definitely got a few connections on the Husky team. Uh, they fell just short last year. So hopefully they can bring it home this year. And then uh, obviously uh, from two alumni from U of S will definitely be cheering for, for the Huskies uh, in this Saturday, Saturday Vanier cup special too. So glad you mentioned that one, Zach um, in fantasy football related, you know, guys, we we're coming short. The season comes fast and it ends even quicker. Uh, we only have three remaining weeks in the regular season and then playoffs are here. So do what you got to do to get there. Uh, lots of leagues. The, the uh, trade deadline was last week. Some, I know it's this week, dynasty leagues usually it's this week or the week following make those transactions you got to do get to get over the hump and we say it all the time all you got to do is get in and anything can happen in that one versus eight two versus seven etc cetera, etc cetera, matchup so good luck this week that'll conclude everything for the nicest episode of the year uh, episode number 69 good luck everybody in your week number 12 
And on behalf of myself, Zach, and as well as Armin and, and uh, Lucas, who are unable to be here today, and 22 Fresh, our major sponsor of the year, thank you very much for listening. Uh, good luck, everybody. Take care. Let's talk soon.